0: You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Hey, Modern Therapists. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Thanks for joining us. And wherever you listen to your podcast, if you wouldn't mind heading over there and give us a review, leave us a little feedback, so it really helps us out. I'm Kurt Widhelm, my co-host is Katie Vernoy, and we've made reference on a lot of our previous episodes about the benefits of your professional organizations and what they do as far as advocacy goes, and we've made reference to some of the things that you can also do with your professional organizations, and we're hoping to dive into that today with this episode as far as some of the other benefits and why it's so important to join them. So,
1: And one thing that you're not saying, Kurt, is if you're a member of the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, Kurt's running for president-elect. Go vote. <laughs>
0: And, and there's that. So I, I do appreciate that support and uh, hope that this election turns out well. But I think in kind of keeping that to where that is. Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll not focus on that. This isn't a this isn't a huge campaign ad. This is actually talking about how do you best take advantage of your professional organization, take advantage of the benefits. And I, I guess we start with why would you join?
0: When I talk with people about joining. I know that, and and even as I've joined organizations before, one of the first things that we're very respectful of is that it is a monetary investment just yeah. to join. And I think that sometimes people don't get to see what that money goes to until after they sign up. And so when you're making a decision about what to do, I'm hoping to expose some of those benefits behind the screen today. So that way, You can better know what that money goes to.
1: And honestly, Kurt, I think some people don't actually know what it goes to. Even if they've joined, they've kind of been told to join and they don't necessarily take advantage of it. So join because I think it is important and but also make sure that you take advantage of it. So why join? So let's talk about the benefits. What do you think are the most important benefits in a lot of the professional organizations?
0: So for me, I'm biased and we've talked about this a lot. It's a lot of the advocacy efforts that goes to whether it's state legislators, whether it's federal legislators, that when mental health laws go into effect, that it's a lot of times it's the professional organizations who are driving that policy and are working with the lawmakers on how to implement things that actually really do come from the feedback from members.
1: Well, and I think not only do they drive those efforts and they're listening to members on those those regards, what's what's going on, but they can also help to take action against things that could hurt mental health parity or or kind of the communities where mental health is really important to to have access to.
0: And so a couple of recent things that have been in the news over the last few years, as far as this goes, is as some states ban conversion therapy that a lot of times this is driven by the professional organizations and you know that's one thing where it's you know stopping a a potentially harmful practice and in other cases sometimes it's opening up access to more people Mm -hmm. such as efforts to expand access or expand licenses to things like medicare reimbursements and that kind of stuff but beyond the advocacy there is a ton of other things that happen behind the scenes and i am members of a, i'm a member of a couple of different organizations uh, right now i am a member of the california association of marriage and family therapists and amdria are you members of any other organizations
1: I don't think so. I've been in the past, but because of how actively we're involved in camped right now, that's been my focus. But just a quick disclaimer, we're speaking for ourselves and not camped. Um
0: so if you are imagining us with our camped hats on, <laughs> stop. Like take t- it take that imaginary cap off of us in your mind and just put on this is the modern therapist survival guide hats that we're wearing. Yes,
1: yes. And I think uh, those those hats are are just headsets, right? They're headsets, yeah, yes. Yeah. But I've in the past I've been part of other organizations that are not necessarily even therapist related. But I've found that when you join these different organizations, each has they oftentimes have similar benefits, but there's different cultures and different ways that they that they interact. And so I think when you're looking to join, that's something that you do want to pay attention to. Just a little side note.
0: If you go to the different professional organization's websites, you'll see mission statements that look very, very similar across all of them, whether it's APA, American Psychological Association, American Counseling Association, uh, AAMFT, CAMFT, NASW, whatever your respective license might be, you'll see some sort of mission statement that's about bettering the profession and the lives of members within that respective license. And when you look at them all together, they all kind of blend into Mm -hmm. like why join one over the other part of this might really be based on which license that you have yeah but part of it might be some of the unique issues or the unique way that some of these organizations do approach things for example nasw definitely has a lot more of a social justice effort to it because of the deep-seated roots of social justice work within social workers yes some organizations might focus more on education, like AMFT is very much about the education and the use of family systems therapy. And some organizations are going to focus more on job opportunities or the betterment of opportunities for members within that organization.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that each organization will have probably some of each of these things. Um, I think you know, one thing that CampT has that's kind of an unusual is there's legal advice, so that's also very cool. So that there's oftentimes tools that your professional organization might have that can help support you with your business, with your career, and so being able to identify what those benefits are. Usually, they're kind of on the website. They're probably sending stuff out to you if you, they're they're probably using the the listserv or the the mailing list from the the board that's that licenses you, and so. You should be getting information and hopefully if your professional organization is doing a good job, they're going to have some sort of literature or advertising <laughs> or something that lets you know what they're, what they're up to. Because I think oftentimes it can seem like, well, I just have to join because I was told to join and, and maybe there's some advocacy that's important to me. But in addition to like education and advocacy and legal advice and career resources, it really is about building community around the types of therapists that we are.
0: Before we dive into that community part, I have one more thing to say about the advocacy, which is that even if some of the advocacy doesn't seem important to you in particular, that a lot of times you being a part of an organization does allow for some of that advocacy to have more weight behind it. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier when we're speaking with a legislator and say, we have 33,000 members who are behind this than it is to say, we have five people that this might affect. Yeah.
1: It, the coolest thing—I haven't even told you this, Kurt. I went to a chapter meeting today for CAMFT in uh, Long Beach South Bay, and I stood up and I let people know where the advocacy is for MFTs with Medicare, and so—and and this is also for for counselors. And so we're trying to get parity. We're trying to get MFTs and counselors to be approved Medicare providers, and the bill has actually gone to the House and the Senate. And the chapter clapped. And I was like, woohoo, we've got some excitement, we've got some energy. So, you know, being able to gather together folks, you know, across the state, across the country, and make a difference in the profession is huge. Because I think it's something where, as individuals, like Kurt was saying, as individuals, we just can't do that.
0: And then this speaks to going back to the community point, is that, Sometimes the community is for professional movements on this, but a lot of times, especially in like chapter or networking type situations, I see people, I hear of people who go to one or two of these meetings for the idea that it's going to build their practice and help them get referrals.
1: We actually talked about this with Anita, right?
0: We we did, yeah. So check out our episode with Anita. Uh, we'll post a link to that on our show notes on mtsgpodcast.com. But yes, I I have gotten plenty of referrals in my dozen or so years of being part of the local therapist chapter in my area. But it took a while Mm -hmm. of building friendships there. And where I really found a lot more benefit out of it was in that community building and learning how other people operate their businesses, what other therapists do that I like what other therapists do that I don't like and <laughs> would kind of avoid doing for myself like because what? it didn't like what fit.
1: you gotta, you gotta give examples, dude.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, we talked about this a long time ago in our how to network, but people who get up at meetings and announce that their specialties are literally everything. Oh know?
1: yes. Yes. So
0: yes. <laughs> it really helped me refine how I speak about myself and my practice in public and seeing how other people make mistakes. Yeah. And being able to grow, not just from my own trial and error, but from being able to see what resonates with other people as well.
1: Yeah, it was so interesting because when I first went out to, you know, on my own to start a private practice, I joined a kind of business networking organization and I joined CAVT and the business networking organization, you, you know, really tight, tight, you know, elevator pitch, lots of one-on-one networking. I learned how to network really well, but it was all just so transactional and business. Like it wasn't building a, a relationship. There's only like one or two people left. And and one of the people who still is left from that that group is actually someone who also comes to camp. <laughs> but I, I, I joined those two organizations. And when you actually look on the return, when I looked at the return on investment, like where did I get more referrals? You would think, oh, well, you're going to get more referrals if you're the only therapist in your group versus going into a room of therapists. And I got way more business from camped And the goal wasn't that. It was like, I'm going to join the group of my peers. I'm going to meet the community. I'm going to find people who I can refer to, who I can consult with. And it's such a... a supportive environment for clinicians at all different stages and you can really have a big impact in the chapter if you join you you get into leadership you can identify what kind of educational opportunities what kind of networking opportunities you want to create and it really is you have a hand in building your community and making a difference in in your kind of little space Mm -hmm. (laughs) of the world because Many of us are moving into online therapy, telehealth, and and certainly that's something that I'm doing as well. But most of us are still doing in-person therapy, and so knowing the other therapists who are in proximity to you is important.
0: And this is where I've met many of my friends. and Ironically, they're also the people who are my biggest competition as far as it comes to clients. But for me, other male therapists who work with teenagers... (laughs) actually have become you know my my good friends through the years and it's been able to help both of our businesses to be able to know how we operate the same how we operate differently and kind of the different personality styles that we bring to things.
1: Well and and I think there's also this piece of we people should blame camped for this because we met through, I think it was an LA camped chapter meeting or the chapter leadership conference, or like there's all kinds of places that we met and started bothering each other.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a few episodes that we're putting out now where I'm telling you to rightly assign credit and or blame for (laughs) how things have turned out with us. So camped is part of that. Yes. But a big part of that community is, also, what makes it to where when we have friends that we can actually start to talk about, you know, how it affects us as individuals within this profession because mm-hmm. it is so isolating when we are operating in our in our businesses, whether you're in a solo practice or whether you're in an agency, of having other people who get it. Yeah. Of what it's like to spend all day being the therapist to clients and then going home and your friends treating you like their therapist too
1: <laughs> and your family and everyone around you <laughs>
0: so having a, a list of people to refer them out to for therapeutic yes. problems is great but
1: <laughs> yeah I, I mean I think there's just there's so many positive things about building community because even because I was thinking back to when I was in community mental health and doing that kind of stuff and I think it was harder to be involved in my professional organization at that time primarily because I wasn't aware of it but I think you know Finding the meetings that have weekend chapter meetings, finding the way that you can connect and join. I think no matter where you are, I think there's benefit to knowing the other professionals in your specific licensure status or in your profession, because it it's so often if you're in the little bubble where it's your little private practice bubble or your little agency bubble or whatever it is, you can get very skewed into a specific type of thinking about things, a specific perspective. But when you pull out and you see people who are in private practice or you see people who are at other agencies and they're like, whoa, man, that is not right. (laughs) You can start adjusting your situation and and getting a broader perspective on our profession as a whole.
0: And... With that, a lot of times comes another one of the benefits, which is the continuing education that's usually offered. Mm-hmm. And this is either you know, at some of the big conferences or even down to the more local meetings where yeah. usually there's a speaker or somebody who's able to talk about something that either affects your practice or doesn't. And especially the longer that I've been going, the more that I go to these meetings is for networking yeah. and not so much the education piece anymore, but it's really exposed me to a lot of areas that I probably wouldn't pursue as far as my knowledge base based on interest and then finding out later, like, Oh, I I am using this tool. Like uh, for one reason or another, a couple of years ago, I had to write down all of the CEs that I had gone to over the past four years.
1: And (laughs) that does not sound like fun.
0: (laughs) And so I'm pulling out all these continuing education certificates and a lot of these meetings here and there. I'm like, wow, I've done like 60 hours of continuing education on working with couples that I don't (laughs) do in my practice, like hardly at all. But what I've found is that some of the techniques that I've learned from those couples workshops are things that I help clients use, whether it's on an individual basis or within a family system sort of approach. But the continuing education can be really, really phenomenal, especially at some of the bigger conferences. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that a lot of times that I leave those conferences just with like brain drain by the end because I'm so exhausted. Uh, And I think that the more involved that you become, the more that you get a say in kind of the direction of what you would like to see at these workshops. Mm -hmm. And especially as, you know, the profession is constantly changing that – we, we want new and fresh voices. And so when we can start to express that to our professional organizations, they respond and do their best to bring in what's up and coming and not just what's always been.
1: Well, and I think that because the organizations are usually pretty big and they have resources in a different way, just when you have a lot of members, you've got, you know, some infrastructure and time behind you, you can reach out and have Gabor Monte come to your annual conference, or you can have, you know, some of these bigger names, these bigger people who a smaller event may not be, you may not be able to get that. And so as a member of those organizations, you can certainly have a say and you can point the direction but oftentimes even if that if even if you're not wanting to maybe change the direction of the organization you oftentimes can get really phenomenal rates because it's a professional organization and they want to benefit members and they they provide you know a lot of additional support so that it's not this gigantic financial investment that might be at some of these more kind of for profit conferences mm-hmm. that you can find
0: and speaking or going back to kind of what your money goes to with these organizations is that depending on the size of the organization, the smaller it is probably the less paid staff and the more volunteer efforts Mm -hmm. it is to keep things running with some of the larger organizations, the alphabet soup that I labeled out (laughs) earlier. A lot of these organizations have paid staff and Mm -hmm. a huge part of having staff is they need to get paid. So your yes. dues go towards paying staff. And for many of these organizations, the dues make up at least 70%, if not more, of what allows that organization to function year after year. Yeah. And because it takes high-level professionals in order to run some of these organizations mm-hmm. at scale. Yeah. And so you might see an organization that has 5 $10, 20000000 million a year of annual operating revenue and a big portion of that's just going to the staff who are keeping things running
1: yeah and i think that that each staff is going to look different but oftentimes the staff are making sure that members have what they need they might be providing legal advice they might be doing advocacy they might be you know creating events and and even just the
0: day-to-day of making an uh, a business run
1: yeah for sure for sure i think but you have to have something like you can't just say oh well the business is running like i think there's there's processing memberships and that kind of stuff but i think it's we want that to like i don't necessarily want to be like oh well you know i'm paying so they can process my membership fees i i think it's important to recognize that the the bigger dollars are going to the the bigger impact things for members frequently and that's going to be advocacy it's going to be connecting with other stakeholders it's going to be going to meetings having a voice in places that your license needs to be heard and i think that that stuff is so critical because as individuals we just can't have that kind of an impact.
0: And so some of the other things that your money goes to is putting on some of these larger type events that mm-hmm. Katie and I know that putting on a conference is it's hard. not cheap, it's hard.
1: <laughs> it takes a lot. <laughs> it
0: well the goal is ultimately not to lose money on a lot of these things mm-hmm. is that to put on an event at scale for several hundred people yeah. does take an investment into hotels and speakers and yeah. all sorts of infrastructure type things. Um, but in addition to continuing education, then there's a lot of efforts towards other educational ways that things are done education about what's going on within the profession yeah. at any given time. So you'll see statements about, you know, here's what's facing pre licensees with this license today yeah. And even though the pre-licensees change every few years, sometimes it's just being able to go back out and continue to provide that message to the next group of grad students or pre-licensees, or as licensing laws change, that it's being able to disseminate that information in a timely way to the members of the organization.
1: And this can happen in workshops, it can happen in emails, it can happen in kind of interactions, visits to schools. There's so many different ways that I think organizations do it. But a lot of folks will also dis- disseminate a lot of information through magazines and kind of articles that I think can really sum up. And potentially you can even get continuing education for reading. But but I think there's, there's a lot that I think that professional organizations do and it just all takes money.
0: Right. And then there's also kind of the research-based things. You know, AMFT has a journal, APA has a journal that mm-hmm. they put out at least like, Quarterly, I think I'm not a member of either organization, so don't quote me on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there's th- we could we could go on forever talking about the benefits, but I think if you've decided to join, if that's what you've done, I think it's important that you take advantage of it because I think there are a lot of folks. So you've now decided to join. We've assu- we're going to assume you decided to join because all these great benefits.
0: If at this point in the episode you're still listening,
1: and you've not decided to to join. I don't know what to tell you. Um, But once you've joined, I think it's so important to get involved. And I think, obviously, Kurt and I are very involved. We're both on the state board. You know, again, Kurt's running for president-elect of Camped. So, you know, vote.
0: (laughs) I think you just killed the chance of Camped retweeting this episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. But I think it's something where getting involved... First off, oftentimes, if you're really involved in in a chapter or whatever, you get a whole bunch of free continuing education. So there's often benefits within the chapter (laughs) that are, are really good. But it's also being able to even attend, connect with people, get involved in some way, a committee, a volunteer opportunity, being able to actually dig into the community and become active is worth the price of admission.
0: And sometimes just being involved in the organizations does help to give you just kind of the weight of your opinion having more just by showing up. And, you know, there's been a number of times where, you know, I... if you've listened to any of our past episodes, you know that I have no problem speaking my opinion on things. But
1: (laughs) But people will listen to him because he actually is standing up and, and putting his money where his mouth is. He's actually trying to do something and he's not just complaining.
0: Right. And I think that a lot of times, whether I'm representing my organization or not, it's because of my consistent involvement in any of these organizations and just showing up and being able to say, hey, I think that this is a thing that needs to be looked at and Being willing to step in and be on a committee or make a statement and affect change is something that has made me happier about my impact on the profession because Mm -hmm. what it is is if you show up consistently, if you're willing to put in some of the work, people will listen. And Mm -hmm. especially when you come with uh, the education background that you already have, no matter where you're at in your career, if you're you know several years licensed awesome you're you're definitely speaking from a place of expertise compared to a general person off the streets talking uh, about you know a mental health issue if you're freshly graduated guess what you you have a masters degree you're you're educated <laughs> on being able to speak about things
1: when you have a perspective that potentially someone who's been in the field for 30 years does not
0: right and i think that that's something where I really loved the conversations that we've had with all of our listeners, no matter mm. where they're at in their careers. That people are telling us what we get right a lot of the times, which we love. You can send your yeah. compliments to whenever us whenever we're right. Of our just tell media. us yes.
1: all the time. <laughs> but
0: I think just as importantly as when people disagree with us. Yeah, that that's so helpful. We really do take that to heart, and it helps us to steer some of our conversations in a different way, or mm-hmm. to. Support other viewpoints and opinions, even when they don't line up with ours, because so much of what we've learned through our exposure to a lot of therapists, which started out in these professional organizations, is not everybody has to do things the same way. And we can support you
1: whether or not you're doing the things the same way that we are. Yeah. I think at our conference, didn't we have people who had like just started grad school? Yes. And so we had people who had started grad school through at least 30 plus years in the profession and having that diversity of perspective in the conversation is unique. Cause oftentimes the therapists, you know, are the ones that you went to school with. So they're at the same, the same pace as you are most likely or pretty close. But when you go to a chapter meeting for your professional organization, when you get involved, there is a huge, I we're going to say this over and over again, community of of voices, of perspectives that help you to really make some decisions that on your own or with peers at the same, you know, the same,
0: same cohort
1: in your same cohort that you're not going to get necessarily that same information that you would from people who are more experienced or people, you know, Kurt and I are looking for kind of the new voices to tell us, Hey, what's new, what's going on, what's different. But, Another tip for folks who are like, "But I don't like to get involved. I'm feeling very introverted, or this isn't for me." I find, and, and although most people think I'm an extrovert, I'm actually an ambivert. I'm proud. I like to stay home by myself. I but don't then.
0: know if you could admit that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but Seems I kind f- of personal. I know it's very personal. But what I, I found is I was much more comfortable going to chapter meetings when I had a specific role, a specific. Tasks to do and being more involved and being able to welcome people at the door or to run the meeting or whatever it was. When I had that role, it made it much more comfortable to be in a networking situation because I had a job and it was much more comfortable to interact with folks because I had a frame to the conversation. So please consider, you know, different aspects of how you can get involved because interacting one to one with a whole bunch of people that you know, but it's one to one, each person way more comfortable than just going to a networking meeting where you don't know anybody and you're supposed to pass out cards and stand up and say, I treat everyone.
0: <laughs> so to kind of start to sum this up, yes. the the short bullet points of why you should join a professional organization is it can benefit your business. It can help you develop that community of friends, of professional network of referrals. It can definitely provide you with continuing education opportunities at a bare minimum. Your money helps to go and help advocacy efforts for your license. For sure. And, and fun. Like I, it's I super have fun. fun.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just fun. I have so much fun hanging out with people at camp. So, and then the final bullet point is vote for Kurt. <laughs>
0: So uh, we will link to at least the major professional organizations in our show notes. And, and
1: also the ballot for camp.
0: And the candidate statement for,
1: <laughs> for me.
0: And we would love you to join into our Facebook group, The Modern Therapist Group. Check out our show notes at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to The Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.